Welcome to the Velo Residential Operate for Profit Podcast with J.C. Castillo, where we help multifamily real estate owners just like you take control of their operations so they can stop stressing out and start making more money. Welcome to the Operate for Profit Real Estate Podcast, where we help you make more money with less stress. I'm your host, J.C. Castillo, founder and CEO of Velo Residential. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, the godfather of lending, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Polly, how are you doing today? We're doing great. We're coming to the end of the quarter here. We're looking forward to starting a brand new quarter. Uh, but when you come about this time of the year, taxes, tax season, buddy, accounting yes. all comes together. So I think you have a great guest today that uh, is going to answer a number of uh, important and pending questions when it comes to uh, tax season. That's right. Well, well, Paul, you know, for all you multifamily uh, listeners and owners and operators out there, you know, one of the big problems that we face as multifamily owners is, you know, we're not just trying to account uh, for all the expenses that we're making every year, but we also want to make sure that we've got great strategies for how we're going to turn those expenses into the best after-tax expenses that we have to make sure that we're actually minimizing our tax bills, but also making sure that we're maximizing the uh, the strategies for how we are in our life cycle of the deal. So meaning, you know, are we in the first couple years of rehabbing the deal and putting a bunch of money into the property? And that might be different for how we count than say if we're in the last year of our hold and maybe we're going to get ready to sell the property. So all you multifamily owners out there that are wondering what the best ways to account and have accounting strategies for your property so you can make more money. I think this is definitely an episode that you're going to want to tune into and whip out your 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 notebook and take some notes because Brandon, I, I promise you our guest, Brandon Hall of the Real Estate CPA Company is going to give you a lot of information to uh, to benefit you and help you make more money with less stress. Yeah, Brandon has been on the show in the past and you know we know a lot of people that use Brandon and his team uh, I think he has over 600 real estate clients. I mean, he 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 takes all this space and and really focuses on the real estate investor, the real estate general partner, uh, the managing member, and he makes it all. Uh, a, sometimes it can be a complicated thing, and tries to make it as clear as possible. And so we were fortunate to get him on during the tax season. Uh, I think you'll be able to uh, really learn quite a bit on some of the things. And JC, of course, asked some very pointed questions uh, and really how to operate your property uh, for the maximum amount that uh, you can get uh, for a return. So uh, JC, without further ado, uh, let's uh, let's start the the interview with Brandon Hall. Well, Brandon, welcome back to the show. And, and actually, thanks a lot for joining on the big rebrand of our podcast. Um, Brandon, why don't you take just a couple of seconds here to uh, give a quick background on your story and talk about how you help your clients. Yeah, I appreciate it, JC, and appreciate you inviting me back. Happy to be a part of the rebrand. Uh, my name is Brandon Hall. I'm managing partner at The Real Estate CPA. We are a national accounting firm. We have about 600 clients in the United States. Every single one of them is in real estate. Uh, we're a virtual practice. We were virtual before the pandemic, so always working remote, uh, servicing our clients anywhere and everywhere. 
I've got a team of, I think we're at 21 now. Um, and yeah, we just uh, just do a lot, a lot in the real estate space. We've got podcasts, got webinars, got blogs. We're on the Tax and Legal Summit every year. So just trying to get as much good information out to real estate investors as we can. Well, Brandon, I love it. And you know, a personal plug for your company. I can't tell you how many people ask me a lot of tax-related questions. And the first thing I do is claim ignorance. And the second thing I do is send them over to your site, uh, podcasts, <laughs> videos, et cetera. I mean, really, the content you put out is, is quite amazing. You know, today, Brandon, what I really wanted to talk about for, for the benefit of our, our listeners out there is, you know, there's a, there's a big problem out there with multifamily owners uh, that are operating their properties. And the big problem is that they're always wondering how they should structure and, uh, and strategize on their accounting for, you know, call it above the line and below the line expenses. And what is the right thing to do for it, for these expenses? Is, is it to categorize it below the line, above the line, depending on where they are in the life cycle of their property? If they're just taking over the property, let's say in the first uh, couple years, how should they optimize their accounting strategy? Or let's say that they're getting ready to sell their property. So, you know, this is a big problem that a lot of multifamily owners uh, face out there. And I wanted to spend a few minutes with you giving us your, uh, your tips and your views on how we can optimize our accounting strategies as multifamily owners. Yeah, great question. When you are saying above the line and below the line, I think that you're referencing repairs versus like capitalizing and depreciating. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So from a tax perspective, you always want to take things as repairs. From a tax perspective. And you want to do that because if I capitalize and depreciate costs, whenever I sell the property, I have to pay a depreciation recapture tax of any amount that I've depreciated or that I could have depreciated uh, if I capitalized it and for whatever reason forgot or did not apply depreciation. So the below the line expenses from a tax perspective it, in the current year gives me the exact same tax treatment. Right, I've got ten thousand dollars net operating income. If I have eight thousand dollars repairs, then I have two thousand dollars net operating income. If I have, if I capitalize the eight thousand dollars and then bonus depreciate the eight thousand dollars, then I still have two thousand dollars of net taxable income. But both those situations are the same. I end up with two thousand dollars of net taxable income, so I pay the same tax today. But when I sell the property later, if I bonus depreciated or if I took any depreciation on that eight thousand dollars, I have to recapture it. Typically at a 25% rate can be higher for bonus depreciation, can get up to your highest tax rate, 37% today. So that that's where the difference comes from. From a tax perspective, better to take it as a repair currently deductible today. But that hurts you, can hurt you from a valuation perspective, right? I mean, think about all the all the deals that you've underwrote. Whenever you see big repairs, the NOI goes down, you apply the NOI to the cap rate to get the price, and bam, price goes down too. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's right, Brandon. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you've got a property and you're owning it and you want to get ready to put that that thing on the sale block and you're going to go and, and rip off that T12 financial statement and send that to the realtor, I mean, they're going to look at that expense those expenses that you've like you said chosen to uh, put above the line or categorize it as expenses because it's better for you on a tax perspective and they're going to go wait a minute, JC. I mean, this property is way over budget on expenses. I mean, if I look at all the other surrounding properties, your property has expenses that are way higher. Well, guess what, JC? We, we can't value your property as high because of it. Right. So that's, I think, the big issue that people face as owners, Brandon. 
And it, and it's funny because as an accountant, I look at that and I go, that's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You spent 10 grand. It doesn't matter how you report it on your P&L. I can see the 10 grand. I can see it on the balance sheet. Um, and, uh, and hopefully if I'm underwriting that, I'm able to pick that up regardless. But that is how the market works. That is how the market works. If you put things on the P&L and it reduces NOI, then your, the, the valuation of your property is also going to come down. Um, even though you still spent the same amount of money, it's the way that you reported it. So you do have to be careful in taking repairs versus capitalizing. So, so a lot of our clients, uh, you know, if, if they ask us about this, we will advise them in the first couple of year of, in the first couple of years of ownership, we, we want to take as much as we can as repairs. But as we get past that initial value add stage, as we get more into just the ongoing operation and maintenance, uh, we may want to start thinking about capitalizing things because you may sell the property soon. And if they do some sort of two-year look back, uh, it won't look good to have a ton of repairs on the property on the profit and loss statement. If you're an apartment owner in Dallas-Fort Worth, or if you're thinking of buying in the area and you're looking for an expert property management partner that knows exactly what it takes to get you the highest return for your investment, go to operateforprofit.com to find out how you can hire Velo Residential and start investing with confidence. Brandon, if if um, if there was some general rules of thumb uh, in terms of you know how you should best categorize expenses in terms of above the line, below the line, what are some sort of tips that you can give our multifamily owners out there for for tips on how to best best have some general rules of thumb on how they should be categorizing stuff? Well, the first thing that you need to have is a capitalization policy. Uh, it needs to be some sort of written policy that says, here's how we're going to approach expenditures as we run this business. And most capitalization policies are going to say something along the lines of, we're going to adhere to federal tax standards. And basically what that means is we're going to look at the 2013 tangible property regulations to make decisions on whether or not we deduct things as repair or we capitalize and depreciate them. And there are a couple things that you can do within the, those regulations to make it better for yourself. So if you're trying to optimize for repairs, meaning really you're trying to optimize for your overall tax position or, or your investor's overall tax position, then you want to take things as repairs. And the first thing that you look at is the de minimis safe harbor. It's a $2,500 threshold. can be applied to each item on the invoice. Uh, you can apply that and typically write off large amounts of repairs and, and I, I, at the risk of saying rehab expenditures, just so that people understand, uh, you, you can potentially do that. Now, the property has to be in service, has to be placed in service, otherwise you can't use the de minimis safe harbor. Uh, and there's some other requirements too that you should definitely touch base with the CPA on, especially the anti-abuse um, issues that come with using the de minimis safe harbor and breaking things apart. But that would be one, one thing to look at. If I'm trying to optimize as repairs, I want to look at that de minimis safe harbor and understand how it works because it might change how I rehab the property. But also, we want to look at, is this a betterment adaptation or restoration of the property? And when we look at each one of those tests, so, so each expenditure, right? If we can't use the de minimis safe harbor, then we look at betterment adaptations, restorations. And when we're looking at that, we're looking for materiality typically. So we're, we're looking to, say, to, to see, okay, we replaced 500 square feet of carpet. Uh, well, how much carpet do we have? 
if we have 5,000 square feet of carpet, this may be a repair. And, and it's based on your facts and circumstances, so it may actually be capitalized. But you're looking to identify the, um, um, uh, the unit of properties. You're looking to identify the unit of properties and you're looking to apply the betterment, adapt- the betterment adaptation restoration tests within those unit of properties and assessing material materiality at the same time. So it can get complex. But what we tell our clients to do is just keep a really good record of your rehab expenditures and your repair expenditures. And we can have an upfront conversation with you to kind of create a general game plan. But once we review that record, we'll have much clearer um, action items for you. We'll have much a much clearer understanding of what your tax liability is going to be. So to answer your question, full circle, how do you actually keep this in your in your books and records? Uh, you definitely have to use some sort of some sort of accounting tool. Most of our clients will use QuickBooks Online in association or or in um, in re- in relation. That's not the word I'm looking for. They'll use QuickBooks Online and Appfolio or and Buildium to manage their assets. Appfolio, Buildium, give them the property to property or day to day property level accounting and budgeting. The high level QBO reporting is going to give them the entity level stuff, the depreciation differences, the insurance, the the amortization of the loan, the depreciation of the property and all the improvements. So you definitely need to have two layers. You always have to have the property level and then the actual entity level. But at that entity level, that's where we're kind of making these different determinations on repairs versus improvements. What we encourage people to do is just simply create, a, create account listings of, of all the things that you're adding. So if you are adding carpet, create carpet. If you're adding hardwood or floors, then add that as an account and record that. And then when we ask you about it, be able to say, yeah, I put carpet in units one and two, uh, but I didn't put, I didn't replace the carpet in units three through 10. Uh, that will help us understand, should we recharacterize this, put it on the balance sheet or put it on the P&L based on where it's at today. So the action item for, for anybody listening to this is just make sure that you have some sort of accounting system that allows you to break it down a little bit more. Like I don't want to see $50,000 of repairs. Uh, it's fine to see $50,000 of repairs, but then I need to see all the sub-accounts, all the subcategories that made up those repairs. Uh, that is extremely helpful when, when analyzing any sort of tax position. Well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because if you're going to be using the, for example, the de minimis safe harbor rules, you're going to have to know, okay, so this $50,000 that you guys spent on repairs, I need to see a breakout of what those items are because for example, if there's a lot of items that are below $2,500, then I could potentially take those and itemize those out and I can actually apply those against the Safe Harbor Act. But right. if you just give me a big $50,000 bucket of expenses and I have no idea what that is, there's no way that I can help you from a tax perspective to apply that against the rules that would benefit you, right? Exactly. Yeah. And in that case, we would probably just capitalize and depreciate. Yep. Yep. Now, Brandon, there's another question that I bet you all these listeners out here might be thinking, and that is that, hey, I've got this big, huge, you know, large-scale apartment property, and I don't self-manage. You know, I, I actually have a, a third-party management company that I've hired uh, that takes care of all of the accounting. So what are some of your tips you can give to our listeners out there, Brandon, in terms of best practices of how these multifamily owners with big, large portfolios that, that leverage third-party management companies what are some best tips and practices for how they can interact with their management companies to make sure that there's some level of, of, of um, strategy between them and the management company in terms of how they're accounting for this stuff? Well, 
honestly, a lot of times people will hire accounting firms like us to kind of play that liaison for them. Because what we'll do is we'll look at whatever the property manager is giving us and then we'll go back to them and say, hey, you might need to change XYZ um, or, or you need to change XYZ to match our records and our books and how we are recording this for tax purposes. Uh, if you're not going to hire somebody to do that, then you need to do that yourself. So you need to first talk with your CPA so that you can understand the rules and then make sure that whatever is ultimately showing up in your QuickBooks file or whatever your accounting system is, that it's also reflected on the property manager's books. Because what you don't want to happen, you don't, you don't want to get audited and the auditor comes in, looks at your records and looks at the property management records and goes, oh, there's a huge discrepancy here. So you always want to make sure that everything matches. Uh, so it's really good to have that two-way communication. But yeah, I mean, you're just, you're, you're, you're reviewing the property management statement on an ongoing basis uh, once or twice a month. And you're able to communicate back to them that, hey, this was, this was accounted for incorrectly, or we want to treat this, this repair capital improvement differently than what you have it booked. So please update your records to reflect that. One of the things that I've seen that's helpful is when you're working with a third-party management company, that you keep track of not only the fact that they're itemizing a lot of your expenses, as we talked about, that's important to do, especially for the stuff that's below $2,500. But the other thing that's important is that they're putting some sort of a description um, in the memo for, for the expenses they're recording. Because you know when, when, when CPAs, and Brandon, you'll know this better than most, when CPAs are rolling up you know, these, these big uh, you know, tax returns at the end of the year, and they have to go and look through the itemizations. Um, it's not always easy to understand from a high level when, you know, if you have like a high level category for an expense, a lot of CPAs are going to need more information than that to understand where this fits into the equation. So like if you have in the memo for you, if your management company is good at recording details into this, Hey, this is a carpet replacement for unit 102. Um, that's actually going to give them a lot more data than just if it's just a general, Hey, this, we replaced carpet. Uh, as a category, right? So the other tip I can give to all you listeners out there is when you work with your third-party management companies, they really need to have a good system for how they actually, you know, nothing fantastically complicated, but just how they simply put the details of the transactions in the memo or the descriptions of, of the expenses so that these CPAs can very quickly understand what's what when they're rolling stuff up at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The the more notes that you have, the better. It goes a lot faster for us. We're able to make decisions quicker, bother you less during March, which is great because all your investors money. are are bothering <laughs> you. Yeah. You found a great apartment property in Dallas Fort Worth. It shows a lot of promise but it needs some work. If you're looking for an expert renovation and construction management partner to help you transform your property into a vibrant community where people want to live, go to renovateforprofit.com to find out how you can hire Velo Residential and start investing with confidence. Well, speaking of, of, of tax season, Brandon, you know, we, we actually really appreciate you joining more than anything right now because we know that you're in the middle of rolling up, uh, you know, t- uh, t- your taxes. And I think uh, a big milestone may have passed, but there's probably more to come. But talk to us a little bit about sort of end of the year, uh, you know, tax planning uh, for all these multifamily owners out there and some tips and strategies that you can give to our audience to better prepare uh, for a smooth a smooth tax return season when the time comes. 
Yeah. Well, so any sort of end of year tax planning, what what you're trying to do is you're you're trying to say I can project out my debt income, and I want to make decisions now. Now being like November or early early December, I want to make decisions now to mitigate this taxable income or to make my loss my taxable loss larger than it is. And that is very much facts and circumstances based. It depends on what you are trying to accomplish on that specific property. Depends on if you have investors in the in the entity that you're also having to cater to. In general, people are going to make year-end repairs. They're going to do a year-end cost segregation study. And a cost segregation study, you know, the, the cost seg firms love to to push and push and push and push and say, you got to get it done by December 31st. That's just because they have sales goals. They don't actually need to get it done by December 31st. You can do a cost segregation study by October 15th of the next year because that's when you have to file the return if you're, if it's an individual return. If it's a partnership return, it's 915, September 15th of the following year. So I can buy a property in 2020 and I have until September 15th, 2021 to actually do the cost seg study. But it shouldn't stop you from looking at it and starting that analysis, right? You, you definitely want to get a good idea of what the taxable income is going to be. And then you want to start taking steps to either mitigate that or make the taxable loss if you have one larger, if that would benefit you or your investors. Um, but definitely start pulling your information together. I mean, there's nothing worse than a syndicator coming to us you know, mid-February and saying, hey, what do I need to start doing to get my documents ready for you? Um, and my investors need all their stuff by March 15th. And we go, okay, well... <laughs> It's going to be very expensive for us to stop what we're doing and help you <laughs> get this done. Yeah. So, do you want? To, are you sure you want to do this? So, you just you just got to you, you got to close your books out. You got to get all the final statements from the property manager. Get all the receipts for the big expenditures, all the scopes of work, the invoices. Get them all organized. Um, just get everything tidy. That way, you have a package that you can hand over to your CPA and hand this hand the package over to your CPA by the end of January. And we, we realized at our firm that we needed to set a deadline of the last day of January if any of these syndicates were going to get filed by March 15th. And, uh, and that works really well for us. Now, anybody that gets everything to us by the end of January gets filed by March 15th. Um, and what that means is that we start, we start the proposal process for tax preparation in November and December. And we start having those conversations with you in November and December to start figuring out what we need to do and start getting organized. So it's really just about getting organized, projecting your net taxable income, and then deciding, is that the net taxable income that I actually want to report this year, or can I make any year-end moves uh, to make it better, or, I guess, a loss? <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, gosh, Brandon, it's such a great point that you bring up. And the other thing that I, I was, I was going to mention as you were, you were talking about that is that, you know, as I said, you know, it's not just enough for you to be lockstep as an owner, multifamily owner with your CPA company ahead of time. But you also want to be proactive about interacting with your property management company ahead of time. Because ultimately what's going to happen is if you have a fee management company and you're, you've hired them to, to, to operate your property, you're actually going to have to make sure that you get the financials from the management company into your, your bucket as quickly as mm -hmm. possible, which you can then give over to, you know, for example, Brandon's company or your CPA of your choice. And so that whole interaction between how the management company is giving you the financials in a timely fashion and then how you're actually getting those financials over to the CPA company is something that you need to, you need to be lockstep, uh, in sync on way before the end of the year happens so that that actually happens smoothly as well. That, that's a big deal in my opinion. 
Yeah. And something along those lines, when you get those year in financials from your property management company, you need to review every single month uh, because sometimes they will make retroactive changes and not make you aware of those retroactive changes. So your QuickBooks file could say something totally different than what the year end package they send you actually is. Yeah, that's a huge tip. And Brandon, what, what, what the tip that I will give to our, our listeners out there is that you want to make sure with your management companies that you, you ask them what their policies and procedures are for locking your books. Yeah. at the end of the year. I mean, internally, what we do with Velo Residential is we have a date that is cast in stone. And once we, once we basically close the books out for that particular owner, uh, the only person that can go and open that back up is the president of the company. And so mm-hmm. we, we really don't let any of our people go back in and make any changes once we lock it. Because as you rightly pointed out, once we lock it, we let the owners know, hey, your property's financials are ready to go for example, 2020. Everything is locked. And therefore, we know that when the owners access those financials, they're not going to go back in two weeks later after they've updated their QuickBooks and given all the information to their CPA. And then suddenly, boom, there's a change. That yep. is really a huge mistake. And so talk to your, uh, you know, all you listeners out there, talk to your management company ahead of time in like the November timeframe ask them what their policies and procedures are for how they lock their books, because that's going to be a big issue for you. It's a great tip. So, uh, you know, Brandon, that was a really, really uh, useful uh, um, uh, amount of information that we, we gave out to the listeners. I wanted to let you, uh, you know, give a little plug for your company. If there's anybody out there listening and it's going, hey, I'd love to work with a good specialized real estate CPA company like this. Yeah, well, I, I'd recommend just checking us out on our website www.therealestatecpa.com. We have tons of educational content. Uh, we've got big tax guides that we've written for different areas of the of being a landlord or being a multifamily owner. Uh, we've got a podcast, so check us out. And if you're interested in becoming a client, that website will walk you through the services that we offer. And if uh, if you want to move forward, you can click a button to fill out a form and do that. Well, Brandon, thanks a lot for joining. That is all the time we have today, folks. Well, we want to continue to remind you that the, way, the best way to do it is to operate for profit so you can, make, can make, you can make more money with less stress. Thanks a lot for joining. Thanks, JC. Thanks for listening to the Operate for Profit Real Estate Podcast with JC Castillo. If you're an apartment owner in Dallas-Fort Worth and you're looking for a property management partner that can help you make more money with less stress, go to operateforprofit.com to find out how you can hire Velo Residential. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes.